May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. So for some reason or other, for the last several times I've preached, it's been parables. So I thought I'd better look up actually what the definition of a parable was. And a parable is supposed to be a simple story that illustrates a moral or a spiritual lesson. A parable illustrates a universal truth. It is a simple narrative. It sketches a setting. It describes an action. And it shows the results. A parable often involves a character who faces a moral dilemma or one who makes a bad decision and then suffers the unintended consequences. Although the meaning of a parable is often not explicitly stated, it is not intended to be hidden or secret, but quite straightforward and obvious. So there you go. There's absolutely nothing hidden in this reading. We know exactly what this parable is all about, don't we? If we are all like the widow in the story and we are persistent in prayer, every prayer we have will be answered. People want to believe that. They want to need to believe that God will intercede at our urgings, that he will find us a job, he'll sell our house, and ensure that our favorite sports team, whether it's football or baseball, depending on your, your persuasion, that your team will win. But you know, and I know, that sometimes it, it really doesn't seem like God answers our prayers the way we want to or the way we need him to. Loved ones die. People lose their jobs. And bad things happen in our lives. It seems to me that the problem with the parables is while they may have been straightforward and obvious 2,000 years ago, in the context with the culture and the people of the time, that isn't always the case for us. Or perhaps it's just me. I've read this gospel lesson multiple times, and each time I headed off in an entirely different direction on what I was going to say today and and what the lesson was to be learned here. One writer says that parables are stories and that stories lie in the province of the imagination, that parables allude to other realities and do so in a way that leads to illumination and enlightenment. Jesus didn't always give his listeners clear, unambiguous answers. What he usually gave us was questions and more questions and more questions after that. So for me, watching the government shutdown over the last several weeks and the politicians and the commentators' excuses for keeping it shut down 
That was how I started to look at this parable, and it became, for me, very clear, and the focus very specific. In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for the people. When we hear this story, there is absolutely no expectation that the judge will do the right thing toward the widow. The judge was among the elite. He was probably a paid appointee of the Romans. What did he care? Widows in the culture of the day had absolutely no voice. They had no standing in society. They're a symbol of all the people who live on the margins, the poor, the defenseless members of society. But in the end, we learn that the widow did win her case against the judge. He granted her justice against her opponent. The judge didn't suddenly uh, see the light and become a better person. She just flat out wore him out. All right, all right already. Stop bothering me. You can have it. It's done. Go away. Leave me alone. Then we hear Jesus say, listen to the unjust judge. And he brings home the point. Will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. Jesus is telling us that God hears and responds to his people. But here's the thing. The widow was never a passive participant in the story. It's easy to paint a portrait of this poor, defenseless widow with outstanding in society, wringing her hands over her situation. We sometimes lose sight of the fact that she was tough and she was persistent and she stood up what was for right and just. She pleaded, she demanded, and she fought for justice against her opponent. That was the widow's faith. That day after day, she showed up. Day after day, she spoke of the injustice that was done to her. And day after day, she held her pain before the judge, the world, and God. So if we treat this parable as a simple reminder to pray, we miss the point of this story. It is much, much more. It's about feeding our hunger for change and for God's justice. Today, in our own world, we see cruelty and injustice and the greed and abuse of power by those in authority, a rise in the hatred of the other, and along with that hatred, the symbols and language of that prejudice and that bigotry. We also see the economic imbalance of a society where the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. In Arizona alone, one in four children live in poverty. And 30% of our children here in the state of Arizona, they face hunger. We're talking they don't have enough to eat every single day.
To pray always doesn't mean that we sit back and we wait for God to miraculously fix things. We must be like the widow and speak out against injustice, oppression, hatred, and bigotry. Day after day, we need to stand up and speak and act to address the injustices of this world. Day after day, we need to hold up these injustices to the unjust judges of our times, the world, and to God. To pray always and not lose heart, the widow's story involved waiting, waiting for the unjust judge to listen and to pay attention. How long? I don't know. But waiting doesn't mean that God is not caring or already active in this story or in our lives. The widow was not waiting on God. She was waiting with God. Prayer isn't about changing God's mind. Prayer is about becoming part of what God is doing. We don't need to nag God into doing what we are asking or what we need. Nagging God is not what this is all about. The unjust judge needed to be nagged to do what was right and what was just because he didn't care about her or anyone else. But God does. God always does. We live in a results-oriented culture. We want and we need immediate results. In my work environment, it's called rapid cycle improvement. You try something once, and it doesn't work, or you don't get a good return on investment, it's gone. You're going to try something else. Prayer doesn't really fit into that model. Prayer requires us to live with what we say in the creeds. That we believe in things seen and unseen. Prayer invites us to trust in a God whose ways are not our ways and whose action is not always visible or immediate. Prayer invites us to trust in the goodness and justice of God and to ask God to make us a part of that, not on our terms, but on his terms. To live the widow's faith may be the most difficult and necessary work we have to do. Pray always and not lose heart. And to always remember that Jesus wouldn't ask us to do something we cannot do or go somewhere where he hasn't been. We've been given everything, and we must be like the widow and face the unjust judges of this world. We are the people of God, and we have the power to change the world because this is who we are and who we've been called to be and because Jesus has shown us the way. So pray always and never lose heart for God's justice is always at hand. Amen.